All right, episode 23 of the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. Welcome back to the show. I am here with Mace. Yeah, Jeff, that's me. We're working on a sexy intro. A sexy for this intro? Beast. Wait a minute. Yeah, what did we talk about? So today, yeah, we're going to be talking about compassion Com- for yourself. Compassion for myself. Yeah. Just the three of us. Today. Oh, yeah, for myself. Not oh, yeah, yourself. we didn't have a de- we didn't have a guest today, huh? No, no guest. No guesty. No guesty. That's but, all right. I, uh, yeah. I think we held it down. Yeah, I think it was really good. I think we had a really good conversation this time. Talking it, a lot about how like having compassion for yourself is actually a good thing. Negative self-talk, not such a great thing. Right? Yeah, and that kind of thing. And that kind of stuff. Yeah. Every now and then, maybe. Yeah. The thing is, just check out our, our podcast, you, guys. You, you know? know, if you look at this economy, it's just... I'll tell it, you, the, if I had an economy, I would go to Alpha counseling's website www.utahsbesttherapy.com yeah that's a really good website too by the way why is it good because i made it bro that is pretty good what will i find on there if i go to that website well you can be really confident in the treatment that you're going to receive and that you're no longer going to be involved in the criminal justice system because all of the alpha clinicians have been trained and certified in Cognitive behavioral interventions for sex offending. Ain't that correct? Has that been proven to work, though? Oh, yeah. Evidence-based through the roof, son. Well, what if I want to find out if your program works? Oh, I don't know. Sign up. Is yeah. there a way to test if a program works compared to other programs? I, I suppose you could check out the Triple S Outcome Measure, oh. which is which this podcast is also brought to you by. Oh. www.triplessystems.com. Is that right? That sounds good. Yeah. Are we just banking on the fact no one's going to that? Yeah. Does that exist? Yeah. Yeah. It exists. Triple S systems yeah. unique dot org. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's dot Does it, Is there a website up? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's a website. Nice. Yeah. There's a website for that. So, but anyway. Never mind. I'm banking that every single person's going to that now. They're going to. They They're will. going to now. They're going to be like, wait, is there? Is there one on there? But wait, what? I, I have another question. What happens if I'm at the gym working out and I want to be left alone? Like, what? Is there any options? Well, there's this company called Hottyware. Oh. H-A-G. Wait, H-A-G. Hagware. That'll keep people away. There you go. Hottie. Yeah. Hottyware. So if I just want to go to the gym, be left alone. I mean, look, if you're going there to make friends and stuff, that's fine, too. I don't see anything wrong with that. Some people just want to go there and be left alone. And I get you want to talk to them, but... Because they look good or whatever, and you want to get their, you know, understand, hey, man, what's, what subs are you on? And then, you know, whatever those things happen. Okay, uh, but I don't want to talk to you, and other people don't want to talk to you. And if that's the case, if you're that person, you wear hottie wear. It, it kind of has the opposite effect, to be honest. Usually people just come <laughs> yeah, and say, that's... hey, that's a nice shirt. Where do I get one? I'm like, can you read, son? <laughs> leave me alone. It says leave me alone on the back. <laughs> that's really funny. Can I get one of those? Yeah, but anyway, if you wanna if you want people to leave you alone at the gym, how do you wear the ticket, son? Compassion for myself. That's right. Ready, set, go. No, not ready, set, go. Ready. Dude, I want that. That to was stick. too fast. That was too fast. Ready, set. Let's say inside the octagon. Go. Let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Well, yeah, we, we can't. We need a tagline. Ready, set, go. So someone has to give us feedback. Send an email. Or yeah. A, or a. Somebody, somebody, tweet. somebody, don't a tweet, tweet the hell out of do me. Do we have a Twitter page? We do. Yeah, we do. Uh, we do. Somebody sent us. I a updated re- it recently. It was like four months ago. A really good tagline. Alpha Counseling has a really good tag tagline. Emotional just, strength for better living. It's not really something you sign off with before you start a podcast. Nah, right? yeah. nah. That'd be good though. Yeah. 
Episode 23, Emotional Strength for Better Living. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. Help us out, listeners. Sounded pretty good. Do, okay. it again. Do it again. Emotional Strength for Better Living. Just yeah. hate her so bad. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now we're going again. Okay. Now Man, we're going. Uh, what are we talking about tonight, Jeff? Compassion for myself. Compassion just for you? Just for me, personally. And any client that wants to use this information. I have compassion for gingers. Another ginger joke. Good yeah. Lord. Man, we're going to turn this podcast into like a drinking game. Yeah? Yeah. It's, it's like probably already happened Criteria. Somewhere. I know. See, ginger jokes, um, attempts at self-deprecating humor. What do you mean attempts? Well, you, yours falls short. It's always pretty funny. Yeah, you're a malignant narcissist. And so, <laughs> <laughs> benign. Yeah, you're a benign <laughs> narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a benign narcissist. Yeah. That don't even uh, add up, bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, compassion. Compassion. It, it's, it's kind of a tough thing for these guys to go through because, well, no one... No one's feeling sorry for people that have committed a sex offense, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, a lot. I, th- I think in have we talked about guilt and shame before? Is that has that been a podcast we've done yet, or are we come? I don't up know on if that? we did a dedicated one, but it's come up before. We've talked about it before. Yeah, uh, I don't think we, I don't think we did a dedicated episode to it. Maybe. Okay, so can't really refer back to. Well, we should we should hit that one up soon because it goes hand in hand with with this one, but. A lot of these guys deal with guilt, uh, you know, guilt over what they did or shame about who they are. And that doesn't, it, whether or not you like or dislike, you know, the, the gentleman we work with it, they're better off when they, when they're feeling okay about themselves. Easier said than done to get him to that point. So yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Well, well the, the idea about guilt though, guilt's not a horrible thing. In fact, I, I think it's important that we, encourage clients to kind of embrace guilt because guilt and we'll again may, you know it's a subject it's another podcast i guess it's a but um the primary difference between those two is guilt is i feel bad about what i've done shame is i feel bad about who i am so guilt is just suggestive that um, i violated a value system and because i violated that value system i feel bad about what i did and want to correct the you know correct the course of action Whereas shame is, well, I'm screwed. I'm a bad person. What can you do about that? You know, there's not much to be done about that. So it's it's easy to kind of get wrapped up in this because they don't have many fans out there. And, you know, rightly so. Again, it's not like I'm, I'm trying to say that what um, I'm not trying to encourage a whole bunch of people to say, oh, we should, you know, all of a sudden have compassion for for these guys because some people have been really harmed and other people aren't educated on this stuff. And that's okay. I mean, that's what we're trying to accomplish here. But um, I think more so if they don't understand what the what's causing the problems there, then obviously our clients can really suffer as a result of that. Well, I think people get weirded out by it because they think that by compassion we mean like we're we're telling our clients, "Hey, it's okay, buddy. It's fine what you did." You know, everyone yeah. everyone makes mistakes, and it's. I mean, I, I think they, that that people assume that maybe we're taking like a super soft approach with them yeah. or excusing and, and, and away that, and that translates into if you take a soft approach well they're going to hurt someone they're going to reoffend they're going to cuz it goes back to this is I know we talked about this on a previous podcast it wasn't it wasn't the folks at the episode but we talked about the idea of ultimately what people want is a safe community mm-hmm. and that kind of 
eternally kicking people's ass does not lead to a safe community. So it's mm-hmm. a, like a counterintuitive approach of, hey, if we actually have some compassion or help these people have compassion for themselves, they are actually safer. Whether or not you feel like they deserve that or not, if your end goal is you want a safer community, this is actually what makes it safer. Mm-hmm. Not just shaming people, not beating them up, not telling them they can't do anything ever again. That actually makes it less safe. Do you ever have a hard time convincing people of that or getting them to see? Or how, I guess how do you convince people so, of that? What was the what was the quote? Whatever Mace said from Men in Black, like groups of people are dumb, but like I don't, I totally butchered that. But basically, saying on an individual level, I feel like people actually are pretty open to that. If you were to like try to post that online, you're just going to get a bunch of salty, sour comments of people talking crap. Oh. But I think for the most part, people are pretty open to that idea. Like when you explain it one on one, if they're just talking, having a conversation. Or if they know someone that's gone through the system, they're actually pretty open to that. I think that conversation tends to go well. But if you tried to post that on like Reddit, <laughs> the comments would be horrible. Yeah. 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 Like that's... talking to a group of people is a little bit different than one on one. But for the most part, I feel like people tend to understand that when you look at it that way. And not everybody has to agree with that. And I know not everybody will. But kind of looking at it as if, if ultimately what I do want is safety, then that's, that's the approach. That's mm-hmm. what we want. Well, and they, so. The idea there is, um, I mean, there's kind of this constant like, okay, there's an expectation that they should be engaging in negative self-talk too. And I think to some degree, you can't help, but that that's going to be present. I mean, of course, we all do that to ourselves to one degree or another. Perpetual and chronic becomes a problem. So I think, you know, negative self-talk is really common. We all know that. It's especially true for the gentlemen that we work with, you know, ladies that we work with, anybody who's been convicted of a sexual offense. And oftentimes our clients beat themselves up over and tell them things like, you know, I'm a horrible person, things like this. And look, it's true. Yeah, your sexual offense is very much a horrible act. And what, what happened there hurt somebody and probably stemmed out to a lot of other people than just, the, you know, the the victim. But it's it's untrue that the person who did that is horrible themselves because if we can't get over that, then how are they supposed to be rehabilitated? Yeah. What's the point? Right. Yeah. I try to tell them, so there's, there's like a couple different approaches, right? You know, I, I really try to emphasize that them feeling guilty about what they did is a good thing. And I think that you guys are saying the same thing and you know, I'll, I'll get them to identify maybe like where in their body they, they, like they, they feel that reaction, you know, like, so when you're feeling guilt, I'll just throw it out to you guys. When, when you're feeling guilt, like what, what are some of the psychosomatic sensations that we talk about? Um, I usually get like, it's almost, it's weird. It's kind of like I a get massive n- erection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when I feel guilty. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. no, more so like I get like, it's almost like I'm nervous. You know, yeah, kind of nice. like where it's like butterflies in your stomach, but it's almost like, but it's not like a fun nervous, you know, like you've ever been nervous and you're kind of excited and then, but this is like, ugh, like a great description. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mine's usually like pit of the stomach kind of thing. Like it almost, I don't know, like a heavy kind of, I don't explain it. Yeah. I guess pit of my stomach, but like the same nervous, but more like an anxiety to it, like a worry. So I'll reach, so I'll reach for examples like that. And that's, that's similar to what a lot of the clients say and I'll, I'll emphasize like it's great that you feel that, and I'll say uh, usually for most men or most people, the that feeling that you're talking about right there is mutually exclusive to sexual arousal. Most people um, aren't 
aren't really feeling turned on or like they want to act on something when they're feeling like all these awful feelings about what they did. So I said, mm. in a sense that that guilt that it, it serves as a strong intervention for you. If you, you know, if you start going down that path again, and furthermore, that, that guilt over what you did, you could look at it, that that horrible feeling is a good sign that maybe you are a good person that did a bad thing. So in having compassion for your, I guess by, by feeling that guilt and feeling that punch in the gut feeling, that's, that's a sign that you have a heart, that you do have the capacity to, to care and that you can use that as an intervention. And again, that you are a good person. A good person feels bad about what they did. So that's, that's usually my jumping off point. So in other words, there's, that's a kind of a signal that there's a conscience there. Yeah. And that I can rely on that. I think that's important because, you know, the, uh, the, the narrative often is that these guys lack empathy overall. Right. And, right. And that if they just considered, you know, um, that if they just had more empathy for the person and then they start linking that with, and we've talked about this a little bit, you know, which is actually a little bit more compassion. So empathy, what usually people are referring to is compassion. They're saying, if you recognize that you're hurting somebody or somebody's hurting in general, then you should, you know, see like, see what's going on, have some respect for what they're going through, try to imagine what it is. And then try to relieve that. Well, that's that's compassion. It's not really empathy. Empathy is just kind of having a pretty good understanding of where a person's coming from. Doesn't really require you to care very much about it. So that and, and so we're asking them that exact thing. And I think when you when you emphasize it like that, it's much easier to separate person from behavior because if we're ever going to put them in the driver's seat of modifying their behaviors. We have to make that separation, which I think we do quite well if we can get some, I mean, we have a tool that we use quite regularly called the behavioral chain that will give a client and we'll emphasize, okay, so this week go out, um, anything that goes wrong, anything that you feel like you could have done better, any situation that turns out a way that you didn't want to, or specifically if you had some sort of sexually acting out or urge or something like that, once everything's calm down. I want you to document that. And we walk through those, you know, those steps. We walk through what was the situation? What were your thoughts? What were your feelings? What did you do? And what were the consequences? And then I want you to come back and we're going to talk about that and then really break it down. Um, and to me, I think that's legitimately taking a step away from my behaviors and documenting what happened in that situation. So then I can come back and kind of make a plan of, okay, if this happens again, what am I going to do differently? create some cognitive distance from what happened and then I can go from there. And I think that separating because their behaviors do deserve contempt. Nobody's arguing that of course, but if they not themselves, they don't deserve contempt perpetually and chronic, their behaviors deserve contempt. And, and that that's the explanation for, I guess maybe the clinical shorthand of uh, separating a client from their behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. That's <clears throat> it. I mean, we talk about that a lot, but I think that it, it bears mentioning that we're trying to, yeah, we, we, we do want to condemn the behaviors. We're not excusing that again. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I'm being repetitive right now, but that's, it's, it's important to say and get it, getting them to align with you and condemning their behavior. Uh, it, 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 it maybe helps them realign their own value system, right? If they're, if they're able to say like, yeah, okay, that is bad that I did that thing that they're in a sense expressing a new set of values. That's what we're trying to do. Well, it can be done without them shaming themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, overall, I mean, I think they get convinced over time because so many people tell them this, that if I use negative self-talk 
and I'm doing a positive thing. I'm condemning my offense. I'm being accountable. I'm being responsible for this because I'm using this negative self-talk. Unfortunately, that negative self-talk is just abuse. I'm just abusing myself. Like we wouldn't, would you ever, t- I mean, the way we talk about ourselves sometimes, could you ever like see yourself talking about your wife that way? No. I mean, you'd never say that, right? Well, the yeah, way that we talk about ourselves. It doesn't get to the core of why the offense occurred to begin with. Right. You know? Well, and it probably plays a role into why it even happened or how they got into a spot of even having that happen, making that choice in the first place. Right. A lot of it being shame-based or feeling like they weren't worth it or they were a piece of crap or whatever it is. That, that, that's the that's an important piece, right? If if clients maintain feeling like they're a piece of crap, where is their motivation to change for the positive? Yeah, well, yeah. There, and, right? a, and a quote I read once that I thought was awesome that I usually throw out in my groups and stuff is just when we talk about self-talk or, and how we're having a conversation with yourself in your head or the things you allow yourself to get away with in your own head because you're not saying it out loud or someone else isn't saying it to you. Whenever a guy's struggling with this, I say, think about it this way. If you had a friend that talked to you the same way you talk to yourself, how long would you let them be your friend? <laughs> and like really probably not very long. Like if someone was just repeatedly saying that stuff, you'd be like, dude, get the hell out of here. Holy dick. shit. Leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. <laughs> but we let it. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's, it's more under the radar when it's in our own head. It's like, oh, it's just a thought. It's just a thought. But yeah, if you're thinking these things all day, every day, that's going to have an emotional toll. Mm-hmm. Right. And those are the, that emotional tolls a motivation sapper. And the change that we ask these guys to go through requires quite a bit of focused motivation over the course of a pretty long, intensive treatment program. Oh, yeah. We mm-hmm. don't have time to have that saddled by, you know, marred by shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and think about that. It, it, like you were kind of talking about, it doesn't really do much to help. I would say even it might even go further. It might even be enabling yeah. to continue further bad behavior. I mean, if I'm broken, I'm a piece of shit. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm, you know, I'm worthless. This, I mean, why not? What's the point of trying? Yeah, yeah. Why it almost, it almost creates like kind of a moral bucket list. Like, well, screw it. I'm screwed anyway. Like, why not just mm-hmm. do whatever I want right th- at this Ooh, point? Like, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, it, might, might as well start hitting my bucket list. Cause it's like a school shooter mindset. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, like you, you get down to the point of uh, I'm no good. I feel horrible about myself and I'll never amount to anything. And, you know, this and the other. And it's been reinforced over time. There's plenty of people who are going to support you in that. Um, you know, if I'm not too inclined to uh, commit suicide or something like that, well, then I'm going to take out my destruction on everybody else around me, you know, and that could be drugs. That could be robbery. That could be whatever. I mean, future offenses. So that's where I, I just don't. I mean, I'm of course, I, I think talking about an offense matter-of-factly and really getting down to understanding motivations behind these things and then understanding current lifestyle factors that are still present in their life that were present then and then managing those factors. Yeah, of course, we have to have that conversation. That's critical if we want to avoid this from happening again. But just continually beating yourself up over it, I just don't know how good it, I don't know how good that, you know, how effective that is in the long run. <clears throat> today in group one of uh i guess i got to had to sort of set the story here so this this client he's towards the end of his treatment program he's made a lot of changes his offense happened a number of years ago and he had written a treatment assignment that a prior treatment program used to have him do so so back in the day uh actually not too not not too long ago they 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 would write letters 
So the offender would write a letter from their victim's point of view to themselves. So that's, that's a confusing statement. The, so if I'm the, if I'm the offender, I would write as though I were my victim talking to me. And the idea is to kind of show, show empathy and show an understanding of victim, victim impact all at once. And so he's like, I know this isn't a part of you guys' program, but I want to read something I'd previously written down before. And so he had read this, he read this letter from, it was his daughter's point of view. His daughter was his victim and he did, did a great job. I feel like he really captured maybe some of the pain that he put her through and the emotional damage and the, the change in the father daughter relationship that's irreparable. And once he had read his letter, he was getting, he's asking for feedback. He talked about how, uh, while going through and reading the letter and, and thinking about it for this previous week, that it had really ramped up his shame. And he had talked about how he goes, he goes, it sucks because I've made a bunch of changes. I'm not the same man that I was. I, you know, I've changed this set of behaviors. I've changed the way I talk to people. I'm more open to listening when I've screwed up. I've, I, you know, he, he went down a list of things that he's done to better his life, but he said, the the problem is, and I'm ashamed to admit it, but I still have some sexual feelings that are there. He goes, I I haven't acted on them. He says, but like it, it lingers there. He goes, I hate that I still have, you know, like an arousal towards underage people. He goes, it sucks. It sucks to deal with. I feel like I haven't changed. I feel like I haven't made any progress. And he goes, you know, he's kind of he was kind of going down the route of saying I'm a piece of shit, this and that, and I. I made the case that like a lot of times when it comes to sexual interests, that the, 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 the rate at which sexual interests change, morph and evolve over time happen at a much slower rate than some of the other, like, like I can change my residence risk factor pretty quick by getting into a nice neighborhood. I can change my employment risk factor by getting a decent job. You know, I can even make some pretty substantial changes in the way that I, um, interact with, uh, my treatment providers, with the supervisors, you know, um, but a lot of times like what you're sexually aroused to, it's, ah, it's a, it's a little more, it's a dynamic risk factor, but that's a slow one. And once I pointed out that like he was still on the right track, that he was still going the route that he should be going, that he had made good progress and just that, Hey, as long as you're not doing things to reinforce deviant sexual interests, like masturbating to fantasies of underage girls. And as long as you're not doing that stuff, like it'll catch up, you know, it'll, it'll stop to be, it'll start to be less and less on your mind over time. These things will change for the positive. And, um, immediately he had brightened right back up again. It's like he hadn't bothered to consider that he was still doing a really good job. It's just, it takes time. He'd reinforce his own shame through, I guess him not changing as quickly as he thought he should. Those, those letters sometimes I feel like you got to be careful with those letters because like, I mean, if I'm talking from the victim's point of view, and sometimes I've shared like, uh, cause I, I've, I don't know, rarely on rare, and I don't do it at all anymore, but I used to every now and then be working with a victim. Right. And, um, they would get curious and they would ask, what's some of the things that you do with offenders, you know? And I had shared a thing about this and, and like that they would write, um, something like that. They would write a, kind of a narrative from the, and they, and the victim actually was not very happy about this. And she had shared with me, she said, she said, how do they know, you know, and what right do they have to guess on those things? And she, and she says, I, I don't want them like, 
I, I'm, uh, my thing is I need to get over it for myself. Like I'm totally over what they did to me. I'm, I'm past it. I've said, you know, you're forgiven, whatever. And I need to work on me. I don't want this person continually making up in their own minds what I'm thinking and, 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 you know, and victimizing me further as if this person doing this to me has ruined my life and telling, you know, their entire group mates that they're sitting in this group and telling, oh yeah, now she can't trust guys. Hmm. She can't hold down a job. She's probably slamming some black behind the dumpster. Like, I mean, you know, she's like, I don't want other guys hearing that this guy made me ruin my life. Nobody's making me ruin my life. And I was like, wow, that's really empowering that you take that perspective. And I was like, I've never thought about it that way because that's not the intention. I said, the intention is try to help them realize that, you know, there's harm that's caused by this and how much that can affect it. And she's like, yeah, but it's inaccurate. You're talking about inaccurate stuff. You don't know. And guess what? Part of this is you don't get to know. You don't get to know how that affected me. And, and she compared it to, she was making a pretty good point because <laughs> this was right around the time that um, you, you remember the whole Ferguson thing was going down. Mm-hmm. The Ferguson, yeah, of course. Missouri thing, and South Park had put out an episode about that, and she was talking about that because she knew she knew I like South Park, and she was talking about Token, the black kid in there, mm-hmm. and how Kyle was saying, "I get it, man," and and Token's like, "No, you don't," you know, like Kyle was saying, he gets what it's like to be a black kid, right? Yeah. And she said, he'll never know. And you'll never know what it's like to be a girl. And they're never going to know what it's like to be me, the victim. So don't you get to write that story. You don't get to write that story and tell all these other strangers in the room my story about what I'm going through that you don't even know. And I was like, oh, that's really, that's, uh, that's important to kind of think about that. I mean, if, and, and again, my, my, my thought to that is, I don't know what the utility of that lesson would that, be. That could make a lot of sense because it could even go into the, this is reaching here. But you can even say that that's also me determining how you get to feel about something, which was kind of what happened in the first place. Sure. Yeah, so it kind of plays along those same things. But I, I'm going to say with you, I don't, I get the idea of those. I just don't know how useful that really is. It's yeah. just like Jeff was saying, like, you could think this could be a strong therapeutic thing and maybe for some people, but I, I tend to think it's going to be more of that, like that. You're going to leave that feeling like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a piece of crap. You know, I, I don't know yeah. how. Well, I think I have to be careful with that. I agree. I think I think that could help some people, and you got to know mm-hmm. as a as a clinician where to place that and how to use it. It was it was kind of an awkward conversation because she, um, the client I was working with, was she was in a she was um, actually convicted of a drug offense and was referred to me through a judge. And one of the things she was saying was the judge referred me to trauma therapy. And I was like, well, why? And she said she scored high on this thing called the, um, the ACE is the adverse, uh, childhood events or something like that, which pretty much everybody who took, takes that scores high on it. And, you know, cause you know, everybody's gone through some shit in their oh, life sure. or whatever. So she was like, she's all, so I scored high on this and they said that I needed trauma therapy. She's all, but I'm not, I don't have any symptoms. Like, you know, so it's just that I, I took this, I answered it appropriately. And then I was ordered to do trauma therapy. She's all, I was told I was a victim. I was ordered to be a victim mm. by a judge. And I'm like, wow, that's, yeah, that's a weird way of looking at it. Yeah, it is. And so, kind of going through that was um and and i think that goes back to this understanding that i think negative self-talk 
from clients, I think it actually prevents change over time. And I mean, sometimes you think, okay, well, the negative self-talk is just to remind them of how serious this is. Well, but, what do you mean when you say negative self-talk? Well, so if I'm, if I'm, if I'm con- like shame based, like yeah. something shame based. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm constantly reminding myself of what a horrible person I am. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, cause think of, think of, think of day in, day out, my interactions, like when I wake up and I think about my, my life and myself. And then when I go to work and then I go to treatment and I go to group, if I'm doing all those things under the thought of, yeah, I'm a piece of crap. I screwed up somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, I, I would feel like that's going to be a very different outcome as opposed to maybe person B that does all those same things. Wake up, you think about your day, you think about your routine, you go to work, you go to treatment, but they think, okay, what I did at a certain point wasn't, wasn't good. That was a bad action. I'm not a bad person and I can work on not doing something like that again and I can work on feeling good about myself. Mm-hmm. I think those people are going to have much different outcomes at the mm-hmm. end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the year when they're trying to think along those lines because the other one, it's more limiting. It's just, I'm this, I'm stuck in this as opposed to maybe I don't necessarily think okay, I'm a good person but I don't have to label that I'm a bad person. I can say my actions were bad. That's mm-hmm. This is usually what I try to work with guys on when I'm challenging this with them is because I also think that there's people that kind of p- pitch it too much as like a be positive thing. Like, okay, let's say, let's challenge your thought. Okay, the thought is I'm a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the opposite, the opposite optimistic thought would be, well, I'm a good person. <laughs> I have a hard time with that because I don't believe that right now. So I always say, well, let's make it believable though. You got to make it believable. So if your thought is I'm a piece of crap, okay, let's just say, Okay, maybe right now I feel like I'm a piece of crap, but I mm-hmm. identify what I did at a certain point was crappy, and I want to work on feeling like I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. Like, that's more believable to they me. They actually but that, have buy-in. Yeah, but that's also a much more uh, positive thought. Like, that's not limiting. That's not just, I'm a piece of crap, just, well, that's it. I'm just there, and that's that's what I do. And like Mace was saying, it kind of gives me permission to go off the deep end, because that's what you do when you're a piece of crap. Where the opposite one, I might feel like that right now, but there's something I can do about it. I can change that and I want to work on it, but it's more forward momentum. It gives you something to move forward with. Mm-hmm. But I think, but I think buy-in is huge because sometimes when people are like, well, just think of it positively, like, oh, that sounds great, but <laughs> well, I don't, I don't feel positively about it right now. So but yeah, what if, what if your situation is legitimately shitty though? Yeah. I mean, like, like, no. So yeah, my dad just died. We think, think. Turn that frown upside down. Like, just just think about the positives. Like, just think what, about how he died's a good thing. Hold on, uh, hold on a second. My da- my dad just died. Well, you know, two and a half. There's other fish in the sea. That's <laughs> <laughs> the advice. But sometimes, yeah. I, and I think people a bird are, in the hand is yeah. worth two in the bush. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Where's the relevance? When yeah. in Rome. Yeah. Well, obviously. I think people are just trying to be helpful, but it does have to be realistic, though. Like, you just got to forgive yourself. Like, well, (laughs) what does that mean? I can't just forgive myself. Like, that's a process or any any of it's a process. And if it's like my thoughts are, you can't see me, but I'm motioning to the right. Like, if my thoughts are over here and I want them to be motioning to the left on the other side, what's just like a half inch closer, a half inch closer, a half inch closer and get used to that because you're not just going to all of a sudden be positive. I think anybody that's... Would I that I would consider it to be positive? Probably took a lot of work it's, to get there. No, I think you make a good point. It's not about being positive; it's about being accurate. And when I, I mean, it, therapists that kind of do that drive me nuts. I'm like, dude, are you are you just on a, like a Pinterest page reading <laughs> like posts right now, inspirational quotes? Because I, I, I think. Uh, okay, the th- I, I think validating the negative self talk is important. I mean, I, I yeah, know I, I do agree. it too. I mean, there's there's nobody who doesn't do it, right? But it doesn't really 
lead to honest self-examination. One thing I think everybody needs to recognize is that when a person commits a sexual offense or whatever it is that they've done um, using drugs or whatever it is, it makes perfect sense to them at the time yeah. that they did it. And so you have to say, okay, at that moment, you, you it made sense to you. Your life history, what was going on at the time, if anybody else were in the same situation with all the factors being equal, they would have made the same decision. Okay. So what we're saying is, I, I don't like I don't like the idea. Sometimes I'll see relapse prevention plans in those letters or say, okay, and and make a statement that you guarantee it'll never happen again. That's dumb. Guarantee? I'm gonna guarantee it's never gonna happen again. Like. I don't know if I can guarantee that'll never happen in the first place. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to go out and sexually offend, but can you, with 100% certainty, you can say that's not ever going to happen? Well, explain what you, I mean, first off, I agree 100% with the direction you're going, but I think that people don't know why you're saying what you're saying. I, I think people on the surface want to hear that guarantee. Mm-hmm. What's the reason you, if you were a client, why would you not make that guarantee? So, okay, look at it like this. We'll use a simpler example because maybe getting to the point of, of a sexual offense may not make sense, right? So I could say to myself definitively, I'll never use heroin, right? I mean, you guys could probably say, I'll never use heroin. Okay, fine. A, a, a normal, rational person would say, I'll never use that. I can't believe, you know, okay, that's that's great. So realistically, I mean, if for some freak accident, I was screwing around in the gym tomorrow and I hurt my back really bad, right? To the point where I literally could not go to work. So I'm sitting at home, wasting away, using my, you know, my vacation time, my PTO, um, my savings is dwindling. I got to work for my family. How am I going to do that? Oh, okay. Go to my doctor. He's like, "Eh, you know, I don't know. Surgery's kind of iffy. Don't know if it's going to work. We need to see if some physical therapy will work, but it's going to really hurt. So let's get you on some pain meds because I literally can't walk because of how painful it is. So I start taking some pain meds. I'm compliant with them. I do my thing. Everything's okay. But then I have some days that are harder than others. So maybe I take a little bit more than I should one day or two. Not like I'm abusing it. Nothing like that. In the meantime, though, I've now developed a physical dependence on this opiate, right? Not because I'm abusing it, just because chronic consumption of an opiate can do that to a person. So then I go back to my doc and I'm like, I need some more pain meds, man. I gotta, you know, he's like, well, wait a minute. You know, you're like five days short. What's going on here? You selling that? Cuts me off. Okay, now I'm going into withdrawals, which I never anticipated because it wasn't like I was, you know, slamming the stuff or taking it out of compliance. I was just taking a couple extra per day because I had a lot of pain. Now what am I going to do? Well, I'll probably go and buy it illicitly because I need to continue working because I don't want to go right back into where I was, right? That gets really expensive though. So the return on my investment becomes crap. And then next thing you know, heroin starts to make a whole lot more sense at that point. See where that's going? Absolutely. So I can say, okay, fine, I'll never do that. But I promise you, there's a set of circumstances in which you would do that, okay? There's a set of circumstances out there that unfortunately all of our clients faced that a sexual offense made sense, okay? That's really complex. The constellation of events that led to their sexual offense is complex, it's nuanced, and it's textured, and it's hard to understand. And that's okay. You don't. Other people don't need to understand it. They don't need to have compassion. They just need to recognize it's there. They made that choice. So they're capable of doing it again. Well, Correct. yeah. Well, and, and just like your, your analogy that you used, one that I've used before too, is you would say most people, if they've never had a drink of alcohol, like, well, I would never become an alcoholic. They're like, I would never drink every day. Yeah. And then it's kind of like that idea of like, 
your friends want to party this weekend. Hey, let's get drunk. Oh, well, let's get drunk tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, I can drink two days in a row. Like, I'm, I would never be an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like a couple times during the week. You do this over years and years and years. Well, I can do that, though, because I would never be an alcoholic, though. Like, I'd never be dependent on it. So that's the false sense that gets you into that position. Like, say someone that was an alcoholic wanting to stay sober, I know I'll never drink again, is automatically going to put himself in more situations where he could drink again because he has the false sense of, I never will. Well, I can go hang out with my friends that are going to drink because yeah. I'm not going to drink. But all it takes is that perfect storm. Uh, I just lost my job. I'm turning into a country song. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend left me. My dog died. And then I'm hanging out with my friends who drink. And it's like, mm-hmm. maybe that's not so bad. As opposed to the person that says, no, nope, I know if I'm around them, I'm going to drink. So I'm not even going to go over there because I know I can drink. Maybe the more accurate statement would be, I can guarantee that right now I don't want to ever drink again. But I want to protect myself from ever mm-hmm. drinking again because, yeah, guaranteeing something like that as a therapist, when I hear that, I hear, uh, uh-oh. Yeah. We, we probably got to address some stuff here because right. you're going to have a false sense of security in these situations. Well, and it becomes like this. So that's where that's where those extremes come out because that harsh talk, it doesn't lead to any self-examination by the client to kind of look at, okay, yeah, what were the events that led to this? And too much examination of something that may have happened 10 years ago, I, I think, can be overbearing. I mean, life's probably very oh, yeah. different right now. There, aren't, there are things that are important to pay attention to, though, especially if they still exist in my life right now. For example, if, if, I've never had, if I've never had really good social skills with adults and been reinforced as an adult with positive, you know, healthy relationships in my life, and, and I still don't have those skills... I owe it to myself to develop those skills, right? Whereas if I just say, no, nah, I'm just a piece of shit sex offender. Well, that that's just a story I tell myself. That's an excuse I use to fall back on to not make any changes. Because mm-hmm. guess what? Social skills as an adult is hard. Because if you think about, okay, how, I mean, I'm. it's not like any of us here are like super good with girls or anything like that, right? But I mean, I feel comfortable if I needed to go out and meet a girl, I feel comfortable enough going out and doing it. It's not like I have pickup lines or anything, but I wouldn't be super intimidated to strike up a you conversation. You could walk up and start talking. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so, right? But how did we get there? Well, when do you think most of those sco- social skills develop for the normal person? School. R- school. Back in the at, 90s. At, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Adolescence, right? Yeah. But here's the thing, though. As an adolescent, we're all goofballs. Every single one of us suck. Well, no one knows how to do it. Yeah. Right. So we're camouflaged. Like our suckiness is camouflaged by other people's suckiness because we all suck and we all look like goofballs at the same time. So nobody really knows how goofy we are. And parents laugh it off because, oh, I'm teenagers, idiots, you know, whatever. Now, as an adult, that's intimidating. Yeah. I got to go to a bar and look like an idiot in front of all these people and embarrass myself. Kind of. You kind of do, unfortunately. But that's the hard part about making a change. And that's where they need to realize this. And so if I just say, well, I'm just a piece of shit and it'll never amount to anything. Well, okay, that approach gives you the excuse not to engage yeah. in these behaviors and do the right thing even when the right thing is hard to do. It disengages you from the right type of thinking. And, it, and it's exactly what you said. It leads to these, I'm just a loser, but I'm never going to do this again. Well, in the land of never, that the land of never is the breeding ground for complacency. That's all there is to it. Yeah. I'm if I never means, oh, so I never have to pay attention to these things because I'm never going to do it again. Like you're okay. Get ready for that thing to happen again. Because the land of never, never is a breeding ground of complacency. Yeah. Dude, I just found a, quote I, I, just found, I just found a good motivational quote that you would like. What's so, that? So for example, <laughs> 
<laughs> so, for example, if I had a client come in talking about how depressed he was and just lost a family member, I could just say, hey, good vibes only, dude. <laughs> good, good, good vibes only. Good vibes, yeah. no, Thanks. I love, I love those quotes. But, yeah, that, I've, I've, been, I've been working on that lately with clients if they're having a hard time with that. It's like, how do we reframe the thought? Almost to where you're still having kind of the core of that thought. It's not the total opposite positive thought, but just that makes it a little more empowering. Like, which, which thought? So I had a guy talking about he, he same thing. So you reminded me of this where he's trying to put himself out there. He's trying to date and it's not going well, you know. And he's he'll talk to someone and they kind of stop responding or whatever and just get shut down. Doesn't go anywhere and he's really beating himself up. So the thoughts he was having that we identified in our session was, I suck at meeting people and I'll never meet anyone. Okay, let, let's talk about that. So what we ended up on that he liked, that he bought into, because the, the opposite thought would just be like, no, you're great at meeting people and you're going to find someone. It's like, okay, I don't feel that right now, though. That sounds like horseshit to me. So what we ended up identifying was, yeah, I'm really not good at meeting people right now. It's a skill I have to work on and it's going to make it easier for me to meet someone. Boom. You know, there's no there's no commitment. It's not for sure that I'm going to meet anybody because that's not a for sure either, but it was, okay, I'm recognizing, like, like Mason said, acknowledging how he's feeling. Yeah, it is hard to meet people, and you are having a hard time, but we can work on it. But I learned one way to not do it. I learned one way that didn't work, and now I can try this. But it's not that limiting into, oh, I suck at this. I'll never meet anyone. Because then you'll move forward with that attitude, and that will reflect. Well, and on the counterpoint, you're not being a cheerleader, filling the client's head full of false hope or pointing out things that are just blatantly untrue by telling him, no, in fact, you are great at meeting people. You're you're quite the charmer, pal. You yeah, know? yeah. But you're you're – it, so behavioral change that clients can look on and feel good about has to be rooted in accuracy, it has to be rooted oh, yeah. in things that are legit and true. And the client can see like, okay, yeah, this is, this is real. It feels real. And I can see that where I am today is a little bit different than where I was a couple months ago. Yeah. I can feel good about that at least. Yeah. What's the incremental thing that I can work on, but how am I, obviously I need to think about it in that way to make that happen. But it's kind of like, say if somebody their first day working out in the gym and they're like, Oh man, I'm a loser because I can't bench 450 pounds. Well, how much can you bench right now? Uh, 150. Well, just bench 450 tomorrow, and you got just it. Just think That's positive, like, man. Okay, yeah, just be positive, dude. Good vibes only. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, okay, what yeah. can we do right now to get you to 160? What can we do to get you 170? What right. can we do? Yeah, it's that incremental thing because if I hold myself to a standard that I know I can't meet right now, well, then I'm just setting myself up for isn't failure. That, isn't that like the secret thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. If, if, they, I, they, if I think. About about benching 400 pounds i'll be able to no you won't no you <laughs> won't like yeah I, I really like there and the funny thing about the secret was i was listening to joe rogan's podcast about this he says this a lot he was saying like all, all those people were like super successful like everybody who was on there was like super successful and i, I was like i can just imagine a million dollars being in my bank account and i promise you a year from now a million dollars will not be in my bank account but then see it, it defeats itself uh, 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 see see you're not actually thinking about that so like oh my goodness that's convenient like uh, yeah how that is so silly <laughs> it's just it's just an inaccurate way of looking at this and and look that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about being a cheerleader for yourself. I'm saying compassion for yourself sometimes, um, sometimes actually requires that you, you, you embrace a lot of sadness and you embrace yeah. a lot of like maybe feelings that you are uncomfortable with because you're recognizing, God, man, look at these decisions that I've made in my life and how they've affected me. It's not. Well, yeah, it's, that, it's, it's accepting what you're feeling. Cause the, another guy I was working with, 
um, today we were talking about it, going through a really hard time and, and getting into a lot of this, like beating himself up over things and talking about how some of his previous treatments have been like, well, I know with what I did to, you know, to my family and everything like that, that, you know, they're the victims in this and I can't be mad at them. I can't be resentful towards them, but I'm, I'm, I am really resentful towards things that my ex did to me, but I know I can't. I'm like, it doesn't matter what you can or can't. You are. You are resentful. Let's talk about that. Like, acknowledge why. Let's talk about why. Because obviously something was going on, but just to say you can't is you're feeling it and you're saying you can't feel it at the same time, so you're just stuck. You're not going to do anything with that. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks you should or shouldn't feel. You do feel it. What? Let's acknowledge it. Like, yeah. what, what's going on? Don't just try to push back against it because it's going to win. Well, I mean, in in that sense, compassion means understanding yourself at the yeah. deepest level. And right? that it's okay that you feel that. You're just feeling something. That's what's, that's all that's going on. But you've been taught or society's taught us, like, oh, you can't feel that or you should or you shouldn't feel that. Which, what does that even mean? Just you feel what you feel. There, there's much more of that accepting it. But letting myself feel down sometimes, letting myself feel mad or frustrated or anxious, mm-hmm. not pushing back against it. Just, yeah, if it's if I'm having a hard time meeting people, well, that kind of makes sense. You never really have done it. You've never really had a shot to do it. So it is going to be kind of tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, and that's the difference. I think if we look at empathy defined, that's a little bit more like feeling that you understand and share a person's experiences and emotions. So the, in other words, just the ability to share someone else's feelings, right? Whereas compassion is the the sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. So it's compassion, in other words. So being aware, being aware of their distress and wanting to help them get through it. Right. Compassion is empathy put into action. Manipulation is also empathy put in, or coercion is also empathy put into action as well. <laughs> yeah. Because if I, because if I simply am able to share another person's feelings, I can coerce them into doing what I want them to do. So each person gets to do what they want with that. And, and most of the time, it, when our clients are just being beaten up on themselves, again, it's just, I'm, I'm not having compassion for all the things that got me to this point in my life and being honest in the recognition of why they're there and being willing to examine those, admit my faults, address those faults, work through those faults, build the skills I need to for preventing it from happening again. So in other words, compassion brings forth true accountability and therefore foundation for creating true lasting change. That's right. I agree with that. (laughs) Man, what else should be said? Well, I have a I have another quote that I want to, I'd tell clients. Stars can't shine without the darkness, dude. An army <laughs> shine and, bright like a diamond, bro. <laughs> and, that's a quote, bro. <laughs> an army of donkeys led by a lion is better than an army of lions led by a donkey. Is that Napoleon Ooh, Dynamite? Genghis Khan, playa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, no, that, read it again. That's actually a badass quote. An army of donkeys led by a lion is better than an army of lions led by a donkey i don't know what that has to do with compassion it's cool though (laughs) yeah yeah. i just felt like justin was throwing out quotes so i was like oh (laughs) yeah i love quotes like that that dope shit yeah there's well (laughs) yeah it's i i uh i think that if you just start throwing out those things those cheerleading statements they don't do really good i think an honest examination for the clients to look at themselves is really a critical component of what we're trying to teach in this topic yeah so it's kind of one of those like with that really generic like always be positive i think it's 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 a it's a matter of how can i reframe something 
in a positive way. Like say for example, like Jeff, your, your, uh, example that you use, I use that with clients all the time. Like I did this, but I feel guilty. I feel guilty. Like, well, how is feel, feeling guilty a good thing? What's well, not good. It doesn't feel good. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. But maybe that's good that you're in a different spot where you feel guilty about doing something like that. Cause think if you didn't feel guilty, you'd go off the deep end with it. You just keep doing it more. So it's actually a positive thing mm-hmm. that you feel guilty. Now, guilty doesn't feel positive, mm-hmm. but that's a good thing that you feel guilty. Right. Yeah. So that is positive. It doesn't feel that way, but it yeah. is. Well, which should be embraced. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that it doesn't feel positive is why it's useful. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a good thing. Right. It's like therapy in general. We call it therapy, but it's painful half the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And for good reason. Yeah. Drag clients through the mud. But that's that's the whole thing. I mean, I think that we we tend to think in, you know, like either or. And so, I mean, if we want our clients to be successful, then we're perpetually trying to keep them away from failure. But the opposite, opposite of success is not failure. The opposite of success is just not doing shit in the first place. So complacency. Yeah. What was oh, your yeah. quote? That's, Fail, that's a fail, quote to end on. Failure, failure is failure is a byproduct. It's a side effect of success. I can't. I mean, it's it's a it's a process of being successful. Is exactly what we want them to do. What were you asking? What was my quote? Yeah, something about a wasteland of complacency is a the poor, land a, of a, a poor man's I, paper tiger or something. What was <laughs> <it>? <laughs> yeah. Does he equate yeah. paper yeah. tiger? Yeah. 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 yeah, the blind yeah. man bleeding, leading the blind is <laughs> equivalent to a paper tiger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. You said something cool a while ago. You know, I, you know what quote I like? Huh. That which does not kill you makes you stronger. Oh, my. No, if I, if I drink a gallon of motor oil and it doesn't kill me, I will not be strong. I'm going to be sick yeah. as shit. Yeah. 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 I hate no, that one. Yeah. I said, uh, I said the, the land of never again is the breeding ground of complacency. That's good. Yeah, that's the one. That is an that's a Mace original. Oh, yeah? I don't think that I well look it up. I like it. Yeah. The land of never again is the breeding ground of complacency. Yeah. I dig it. Okay. Send, let's end there. Let's end there. Good, Wrap this good, up. Good vibes only. Good, good vibes, vibes only, vibes. son. Good vibes only. Com. Bye. All right, folks. That does it for this episode of the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in. We also want to thank you for tuning in since day one because we just hit 10,000 downloads on the podcast, which is awesome. So we appreciate the response we've been getting. We want to thank everyone for sharing this with their classmates and friends and colleagues and everybody who has checked it out. So we're going to wrap up here. We will be back on the next episode, which will be 24. We're actually going to have another episode of the penitent or sorry, villains to victory. So we're going to have another former client come back on the show who completed the program and talk about what that was like for him and where he's at in life now. And we will see you then.